This is the Shift Podcast. Today on the Shift Daily Podcast, we get a dose of calls from across Canada for Good News Tuesday with some heartwarming stories. A group of BC truckers are on the quotes to build big rigs, logging big rigs. Chase Barber, CEO and founder of Edison Motors, joins us to share their story of EV trucks. We learn how they work, the challenges of building them, and why there is a place for EV trucks on the road. They're building a truck first, not an EV first. It's working out really well for them. And are you okay with pigs and Subway? Unrelated stories, just to be clear. It's all on the Shift Daily Podcast. This is the Shift Podcast. Good news, everyone. It's about time for some good news. Oh, Tell me something good. Looking for some good news. Uh, can be as simple as my deep gratif- uh, gratitude for coffee and eggnog right now. Kicking horse coffee, grounds. And uh, I like to cream it up with uh, with the eggnog at this time of year. i got to tell you, it's, uh, it's uh, pretty awesome stuff there. You probably got to uh, check it out. Um, 877-399-9898. That's our phone number here to share your good news, no matter how big or how small. Good news makes good news babies. It's just that simple with everything that goes on in the world. The opportunity for us to be able to take some time and be uh, grateful for the things that are around us is uh, important. And I'll tell you this. My Tuesday was a hell of a day when it came to all of that. And I, I even came into this show going, there is no way I'm going to be able to host Good News Tuesday with the way this day has gone. Put the tools to work, find the good news, find the gratitude for a couple of things, and here we are feeling great, and you help that as well when you share your good news. Good news, less from Hamilton. The lake effect snow has finally stopped here. Uh, the roads are mostly clear and well salted. So there you go, all you hammer folks. In fact, that, that does kind of graduate up to Toronto as well. Um, and then down towards London. For our Southern Ontario listeners, Winnipeg's got a couple of nice days here, maybe some nighttime flurries as things are getting chilly. Edmonton's got a beautiful week, a little below zero. Same thing with Calgary, although some clouds, maybe some flurries tomorrow. And uh, Vancouver, as always, is uh, doing Vancouver things. Cloud, rain, 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 periods of rain, 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 more cloud, more rain fog advisory so these are uh this is canada right now weather-wise so be careful if you're on the roads if you're in southern ontario that seems to be the slippery spot that's for sure in the forecast all right your calls your text messages welcome here on the shift i'm shane hewitt in the city of airdrie ryan o'donnell is in calgary downtown john chung is in vancouver downtown waiting to take those calls in fact uh before you grab that one call right there john let's um uh, bring up gail gail is in toronto Hi, Gail. It's nice to hear from you. Why don't you share some good news? Well, in listening to that weather report, I can only tell you I have a second good news, and that is that the weather you described didn't quite hit Toronto. Oh, wow. Uh, Well, you know, that's the thing about the old Toronto forecast. It's a pretty big joint. (laughs) It is. (laughs) But my good news, uh, I was waiting on the corner for the bus, and I had just come out of the little subway store, and these three young people came along, and they were friendly, and, you know, typical, you're just at the bus stop. And the one guy 
kept mentioning that he wanted to go into the subway and get a cookie. And I looked at him and said, go and get that cookie or it's going to bug you all night. And they off they went. And I'm just standing there for a couple minutes watching the bu- for the bus. And they came out very quickly. And they had a little cookie bag with a chocolate chip cookie in it. And all that was, they held out the bag and all that was said was, I hope you like chocolate chip. Oh, so that's I nice. Well, oh, that's very as, nice. As I have said previously, chocolate chip is my favorite. Mm-hmm. I would have to agree with you there, Gail. And that's um, good news. That's wonderful news, Gail. And I, I um, although I, I just want to acknowledge the piece of the puzzle here about taking cookies from strangers is that you were actually in front of the cookie store and yes. <laughs> you saw them go into the cookie store. Let's, yes. You know, I mean, yeah, good news, but let's not be taking cookies from strangers on the streets of uh, our major cities in this country when we've never met them. I think this is a safe exception mind, to that rule. much later. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Gail, that's wonderful. Thanks for being so beautiful. I appreciate Take your call. Care. Good night. Right now. Gail's in Toronto, 877-399-9898. Uh, text comes in from Jim in Winnipeg. My good news is I discovered a new treat that my wife brought home. Sounds simple. However, on the palate of this incredibly goodness, uh, the palate on the palate, this is incredibly good to the taste buds. Honey roasted pistachios. Uh, they are kissed with honey, sugar, and a pinch of salt. You can't set down the package. I, cl- I declare this to be my new shift head treat, Jim. Oh, that's wonderful, Jim. I like that. I hear the passion um, that's in there, too. That's fun. I've never really been a pistachio guy. I'm not even sure I've ever had them. So maybe there's an invitation to try them right there. Ursula, one of our favorites. Ursula is in Aurora, BC. <laughs> Hi, Shane. Hello, love. How I are you? I haven't talked to you for a long time, right? It's been- it's been a couple of months, probably since the summer, I would say. Oh, yeah, it was right to the summer because I was so busy with my family and my friends. I have so many friends, Shane, I could give you a few. <laughs> That's my good news. Is a neighbor came over to us today and brought me a big plate with homemade bars and cookies and a box of chocolate, and she wrote in the card, I love you as my neighbor. You're always smiling and happy. <laughs> that made my good news today. Oh, that's beautiful. Isn't that nice? Isn't it reassuring to have neighbors like that that just kind yeah, of show up I and have do nice things? All around me, saying, no kidding. When we had COVID, my husband did last two years ago, right? The neighbor next door came over and put a big pot of home cooked chicken soup, a big platter of three national and a big potato salad a bowl and and i didn't have to cook for my husband because he was really sick i didn't get sick so i fed him all weekend i fed myself too (laughs) i love it Uh, ursula okay you just got me there you know i love your accent can you say wiener schnitzel again please wiener schnitzel (laughs) i love it (laughs) i love you you're the best (laughs) ursula Uh, it's so nice to hear from you yeah you know, my kids learn that because I always made those myself. If you ever come out to this day, bring the whole crew with you. I make you all the way in I love it. Ursula, if we ever end up around Penticton or south to Oliver, oh, you, wouldn't uh, you that can be bet. nice. We'll be knocking Although on your I door. Said, I said to John, tell Shane I'm still alive. <laughs> Thank you. Well, that is reassuring. And, uh, you know, 
that is always good news too, Ursula. Um, thank you so much for calling in. Ursula is in Oliver, BC, uh, right there. Ursula, you're the, you're a real gem to us. 877-399-9898. That's our phone number here for Good News Tuesday. Um, uh, hey, Shane, good news for everyone. Only 24 days till the days start to get longer here in Leduc and Edmonton area. We'll be down to about seven hours of daylight by then. Can't wait for the winter solstice, surely. Thanks, Cheryl. Appreciate that. That's a good point. I mean, our countdown to Christmas is on. You realize that uh, I believe we are at the less than four. Well, I mean, it's not four weeks by by the date because it's a Sunday. But as of this coming Sunday, we will be four weeks, three weeks, 21st, first, second, first, for three weeks. Crazy, right? Oh, it's going to be fun. Uh, Trucker Dan says road trip to uh, to Penticton. Well, it's to Oliver. Um he says he'll drive. He does have that minivan now with 10 cup holders, was clarified to me earlier today, because the uh, Edison Motors truck did not have cup holders. Trucker Dan's minivan has 10 cup holders. I don't know if I could do it, man. I don't know if I could get in a minivan and go on a road trip in a minivan that's a minivan. 877-399-9898. Good news Tuesday-ish. No matter what it is, good news. Cleanse the palate of the soul a little bit. Susan's in Hamilton. Hi. Hi. I just wanted to let you know I've probably spent half of my life looking after stray cats. And so I was able to do this before the snow hit today. I have a great big shed out in the backyard with about six dog houses in the shed. And I was able to take out all the old straw, refill it with all brand new straw from Terra. And then I did four other dog houses for stray cats around the front of my property. So now all the cats have nice, warm, cozy places to spend for the winter season. And I've been doing this probably for 11 years. One year I actually spent, I can't imagine, $16,000 on stray cats. Mm -hmm. Oh, my God. Yep, and they're all outside. I once had 18 cats that I was feeding with Mm -hmm. kibble and fancy feast, and it was remarkable, and I'm down to three now. Yes. Susan, um, um, now I'm saying this and I'm being cheeky, of course, but um, <laughs> you know you can get a cat for free, right? Like you don't have to. Well, these spend are that stray much. cats in the property where people maybe have been feeding them, students have been feeding them, and then they leave and they're right. they're alone and they don't have anywhere to go. But I'm allergic to fur, so all these cats are outside, but they have a big shed to go into with oh. straw, and I feed them morning and night. I even had two cats in my garage with heating and air conditioning and I think you know it really warms the heart when you can do something for the animals yeah well I that's mean, really cool too that it's um that not only are you able to do that with your allergies and, and be able to uh, help it as well uh, not sure we should if the neighbors love having the cats around but Susan I can hear the warmth in it for you and I think that that's really cool This is The Shift Podcast. Here at The Shift, we love your contribution, and we've heard about this company before, and it was brought to us recently when we were talking about cars and the price of batteries on cars. There was that story, if you remember, out of out of uh, the Niagara Peninsula, Stony Creek, where the guy had a 2017 Hyundai Ionic, 
and he got quoted $50,000 to replace his batteries because it wouldn't charge. When I was looking at a BMW i3, I decided to ask, just for the sake of being curious, what does it cost if you had to replace these batteries today? And that quote was $39,000. It's a lot of money for the batteries. So we're starting to, I think, see the market open their eyes to maybe better solutions that are only battery, right? I think that's the cool part about this is we know that through the course of time here, and maybe we're not ready yet, but through the course of time, some really great innovation is changing the way we move around. One of the biggest question marks in this, of course, is freight. How do you move freight? Well, if you follow the model of the most efficient way to move freight, that would be a diesel over electric train. And what a great way to do that. That's the, uh, the dollars per pound per kilometer formula is a really good one for trains. Now, of course, you know, trains struggle with a couple of things like turning left and turning right. So having trucks to be able to do that for you can be very helpful. Thanks to your contribution here on The Shift, we were introduced to Edison Motors here in Canada. Chase Barber, CEO, they're in Merritt. And uh, Chase, you've, uh, you've agreed to come on. First of all, thank you for doing that and getting in this conversation. So we can nerd out about your, uh, about your trucks. You guys are doing big trucks, not only powered by fossil fuels and combustion engines. How you doing? Oh, good, good. Hey, thanks for having me on here. <laughs> yeah, it's my pleasure, man. This is really cool stuff. I, I like the innovation that's, that's behind this. And I think that, you know, I don't want to say this the wrong way and have it come across the wrong way, but what you guys are doing isn't pretty. They're not pretty trucks. They're not trendy trucks. In fact, Carl's a pretty old truck, but you guys are finding productive solutions versus vanity, which is completely the antithesis of most of this electric vehicle uh, journey that's going on here. Tell us about Edison Motors. Yeah, I mean, I guess that's our whole philosophy is just make it work instead of making it super pretty. How about that for a notion, first of all, in vehicles? That's a good notion. I guess I, I just wanted it to I like I'm a log truck driver that's to start with that's that's the background I've been hauling logs here in British Columbia for about 15 years and I thought a lot of things about electric made sense the regenerative braking going downhill that's a good one fork you had yeah things made sense but I kept looking at the way electric vehicles were made and it kept making me matter and matter and eventually we just said, screw it, we'll build our own truck and we'll build it the way that loggers would build an electric truck. So that's what you have. Something that's not pretty, something that's not going to win any beauty contest, mm -hmm. but something that'll get the job done day in and day out. Yeah. Well, let's quote red green. If you can't be handsome, you might as well be handy. And that's <laughs> what we're talking about here, right? This is as good as it gets for that. Yeah. Um, and so, okay, well, let's break this down. Are you guys 100% electric? Are you diesel over electric? What's the, what's the power plant? So yeah, we're diesel over electric. When we did the math, you would never be able to do a full day on battery alone, unless you wanted to pack around a three megawatt battery that weighed 50,000 pounds, you'd never be able to make a logging truck do fully electric. So we went with the hybrid plug-in hybrid approach. So oh, I like to say that it's a fully electric truck that carries around its own onboard fast charger. 
So that's great. So that means that with the plug-in hybrid, you guys are able to start the truck with full charges every day as opposed to having to have the engine do the work all the way along. There's a couple of ways that electric, diesel over electric or gas over electric engines work. Um, there was a car company called Fisker. They were basically a gas over electric, small lawnmower almost even kind of engine. When you hammered that, that accelerator down, all you heard was, it was not a lot of fun to drive that way because it didn't shift, right? But the electric torque on that little sports car was quite remarkable. Then you have, you know, of course, the um, the range extender kind of scenario. BMW does that where they have, the engine doesn't kick in until you need it to kick in. And then what I was sort of assuming from perusing the website, um, which is edisonmotors.ca, we'll put that up at shiftheads.ca for everyone to connect to easily so you can see Carl and his friends, those are the trucks, um, that, you know, I drove heavy hauler for a season of my life. And those, I mean, that was in the early, early 90s. 240 ton trucks, big diesel motors, uh, charging those electric mega torque uh, motors on the wheels. So where does that sort of all land with you guys and how it works? I guess we would be closest to a range extended. That's, mm. we like to just say it's diesel electric. It's something that's kind of in its own, own unique category with nobody's really done it that way too much except for freight trains but yeah the best way is range extended electric hybrid mm -hmm. uh, so more in common with a train than you would with a typical electric car i guess then or a typical car hybrid car yeah i mean you fire it up the generator only exists as really it exists as a standby generator it tops the batteries back up it keeps the batteries in that optimal volt uh percent charge range between that 40 to 80 percent and it just keep Battery goes down, generator fires back up, brings the batteries back, generator shuts off. Interesting. Okay, so that sounds an awful lot like the uh, compressed air system on a truck anyway. Really, right? I mean, that's it's very similar that way, I guess. Is that... Actually, yeah, it kind of is. Yeah. It's actually a good way to describe it. Yeah, okay. So, I mean, the air compressor on the truck only turns on when the pressure gets to a certain point, and it, you have a bit of a threshold where it's ideal on the old air brakes in order to make sure that you can stop which is yeah, handy. Yeah, that's the perfect way to describe it. That's the first time I've ever heard anyone describe it that way. And that is really the perfect way. <laughs> and I'm not a, and I'm not a trucker. That's even funnier. Um, uh, which, oh, that's great. I love it. So you guys have taken some old trucks here. You're not looking to reinvent the truck. You're just looking to make it more efficient. Well, that's essentially it. I think too many tech companies, like they hire too many engineers and they don't start off with even understanding what a truck is. Like they, fundamentally try and redesign the entire thing about a truck and why why are you redesigning a truck a truck works just put the electric drivetrain into a truck like why do you need to change everything yeah have you had to lighten the load of the truck at all um you know maybe some alternative materials where old heavy steel uh I, i'm thinking about things like you know uh uh, bush guards and I mean especially with logging trucks you guys have a like headache racks and I mean there's a lot of extra weight on those things have you had to shed any of the the typical logging truck bits in order to make this work for weight I mean the the weight of our system like if you actually look at the weight the first truck we did there Carl which is a 1962 Kenworth when we retrofitted that it actually lost weight it lost really? about 400 pounds is that just the engine is the old engine was just so heavy? 
Well, yeah, you're going from a normal truck has a 15 liter engine. Now we're putting an eight, nine liter engine. So we're shedding about 1800, 2000 pounds off of the no block. Way. Because we're a hybrid, we don't really need a giant megawatt battery. We can get by with 200 kilowatts. So the battery weighs about 2000 pounds. That kind of offsets the weight of the motor. The generator back end weighs about the same as the transmission. You lose your drive line and your inner axle, but you gain some electric motors there. So roughly the weight kind of balances out to be what the same is. Now, at the risk of making word salad of all that, um, have you been able to balance the weight out on the truck differently? Because logging trucks in particular, mud, uh, just wet in general, all of that, you know, the weight balance of a truck uh, loaded or unloaded makes a big difference, right? If, if people will think, if you think about logging trucks, there there are a couple of reasons why that the that trailer, I don't know the proper terminology, so correct me, Chase, but that trailer kind of gets loaded on the back of the truck because it also puts weight on the drive axles in order to be able to get back into the woods uh, to yeah. do that. You would never get back into the woods with these trucks with no weight on those axles trying to go uphill, uh, tow a trailer to get there. Um, so that's quite helpful to have that weight on the drive axle. So have you been able to balance the truck differently and more efficiently too? Um, well, instead of running a set forward axle, we ran with a set back axle. So the front axle has moved back a couple feet because the weight, because the batteries are in the frame rail, the weight does tend to move a little bit more to the rear. You're probably a thousand pounds lighter on the drives, 1500 pounds lighter on the drive. So by, or on the steer tires, I mean, 1500 pounds lighter on the steer tires. So oh, by moving yeah. the front axle back, it balanced the weight out to the same axle weight that you had before on say a W900. Yeah, okay, well that makes sense. Cause I mean, again, much like stopping with a load of logs going down a hill, turning uh, handy, really. Um, it is. <laughs> in all that. Uh, regenerative braking. We're talking about logging trucks that are electric. Uh, regenerative braking. I mean, that is the meat and potatoes of these trucks is to be able to stop the load. And you must be able to generate quite the amount of power to recharge when you're coming down those hills. Oh, yeah. I mean, logging in BC is literally a perfect example. You're going uphill empty and you're coming downhill loaded. So the regenerative braking works like a Jake brake, which, oh, my God, sidebar. But I am so annoyed at EV companies like Tesla being like the regenerative braking will mean that you won't be able to use your, your truck brakes. You'll get to the bottom of the hill and your brakes will be cool. That is unheard of in the trucking world. They literally promoted that it was unheard of in the trucking world to get down a hill without using your brakes. Mm -hmm. That tells me they have never talked to a trucker because they have engine brakes. You have a yeah. Jake brake holding the weight back. Yes, yeah. we replaced that with regen. And the regen is about 30% stronger, 40% stronger than a Jake. So it's an even stronger Jake brake. It captures the energy, but it essentially does the same job a Jake brake does. It's just instead of all that energy being wasted as heat through the engine and out the tailpipe, it's recaptured, stored into the batteries, and used later when you're climbing back up the hill. This is a question that's occurring to me now. Um, I'll explain the thought it comes from in a second. But is there any, uh, like, what do you do when there's too much electricity? If you're generating so much power, your batteries are charged. And does that ever happen where you're full? Like, do you have lightning bolts coming off the back of your truck to ground it out? Yeah, essentially, that is an issue in BC that's unique to us because we're a hybrid. Theoretically, if a driver accidentally ran his generator all the way to the top of the hill and then had too much thing, the motors would free spool. So with nowhere to dump the power, 
you couldn't have any regenerative braking because you couldn't put a load on the motor, which means the truck would free spool and you would have a runaway truck. Right. It would be relying on its normal service brakes, which would overheat the service. So what we did to prevent um, to get around that, and it's unique, and I'm quite proud of this idea. Originally, talking with the engineers, they wanted a big resistor bank. It's what a freight train uses. Freight train for tra- freight trains actually have that regenerative braking. They just put it into a big resistor bank that basically a big heat sink. They generate a lot of heat. They vent the heat out. That's how a freight train does it. They wanted to do a resistor bank on our truck just in case. And I said, well, the odds of having to use this aren't actually high. It's more of a niche backup thing in the trucking industry. So my idea, and I'm quite proud of this idea, um, was use the engine brake on the diesel generator. So you still have a diesel motor. So the generator can work as an AC motor. So essentially, the power goes from the regen brakes into the back end of the generator. It applies a load to the motor the same way that a spinning drive shaft going downhill with the momentum would. Then the engine brake of the diesel then fights against the regen power in the motor, taking up the extra power and burning it through the jake brake. So once your batteries are full, the engine brake on the generator will then take up the extra power. Wow. Which that, is hilarious because everyone's biggest concern in the trucking industry, they're like, oh, but I miss the sound of my Jake brake. Oh, yeah, but it doesn't have a cool Jake brake noise. Well, our electric truck actually does have a Jake. Do you put a speaker in there and just goes blah, 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 blah. <laughs> well, I mean, if it's actually using the Jake, you don't need to. You yeah. actually hear the Jake brake itself firing. Yeah. That's so good. Well, your Jake oh, brake is now a switch that plays in your speakers. You'll feel fine. But yeah. maybe some subwoofers under the seat so it feels like it's really rocking and rolling. Um, Edison Motors, it's really cool what you guys have done. Is there any, is the retrofit the goal for now? Or is, because I know that you've introduced um, some new vehicles even this year, last year, and so on. Um, have you done a ground up production truck or is it still essentially a retrofit ground no, up? No, we did a truck? ground up production truck. So and that's the L500? Yeah, that's uh, that wow, big okay. white and black one we call Topsy. That's everything that the frame rails arrived is two pieces of just raw, unpainted steel. We drilled the hole, every single hole, put every nut and bolt into that truck. That truck was completely built from the ground up in our shop. Hmm. So we're quite proud of that for all the engineering and time and effort it takes to build a truck from the ground it up. It is quite it is quite handsome. It looks a little bit more like a shunting truck than than you would see like the big block front. Kenworth that you got there. Um, well, we but with more of like, yeah, handsome. exactly. A skitter cab. To be honest, yeah. we kind of copied like an old Pacific off highways. Then we kind of mixed it with a skitter, dozer. Like, I mean, I'll be honest with you. A little bit was to troll Tesla because Tesla with their semi came out with the center seating. Yeah. And they put it out as this new great innovation. Look at our center seating. Never been done before. And we're like, yes, it has. <laughs> There's a reason. They're like, I get it. The visibility on it is wicked. It's center seating, but it's been done. Every grader, bulldozer, right. <laughs> skitter, every yeah. piece of like heavy equipment and loader, and it's all center seating because you have good visibility. I'm like, you didn't reinvent the wheel. You just put a heavy equipment cab on a truck. And they yeah. were like, oh, well, that makes sense. But if we're going to put a heavy equipment cab on a truck, let's just put a We'll put like a D8 cab, a Tiger Cat skitter cab, and put that in there. Huh. This is fascinating. I love it. I, I think this is so great. You got to check out these pictures of these trucks. I would love to hear one. I would love to, you know, hear one go by. Um, 
there's just there's some really cool innovation going on here. What what's scarier, white knuckling a uh, full load of gigantic trees coming down a hill, or white knuckling a keyboard dealing with investors, engineers, and accountants? <laughs> definitely, uh, definitely the run in the truck company is much more stressful. <laughs> there is so many things to being a startup EV tech company engineers mechanics customers luckily we don't have to do too much with investors <laughs> we haven't taken on any venture capital or anything to do this oh wow yeah we've uh we we made sure that we keep venture capital out of it as much as possible because i think once venture capital gets in there they just want to try and maximize their profits and return and we just want to try and maximize a good building a good truck uh, i love it i mean it's just nice to hear someone talk about the doing the right things. And, um, you know, with Edison Motors and, and the trucks, it, it really does sound like that still is at the core of it. Now, to that point, the high school challenge and challenging the high schools to get involved in go-karts and all the bits and pieces, I'm assuming is kind of that STEM, science, technology, engineering, math, um, plus trucking, plus electric vehicles, uh, have at our kids go invent something even better than what we're doing. Is that kind of the mentality inspire the kids? Yeah. I mean, that whole thing sure snowballed out of control. Like everything <laughs> we do, it started with, um, so our cab, uh, the Logan Lake high school did a bunch of welding and fabricating for our cab when we were building our trucks. They, they wanted a cool project and we kind of worked together. And then the, uh, the teacher there said, Hey, PC hydro used to have a cool EV challenge back in the nineties. And I'm dating myself, but I remember that back then. And yeah, it's one of those things where like, why isn't that back? And they said, well, hold on. Well, why you got them old go-karts uh, that you did. You, why don't you spare a few axles? And I said, oh, shit, those things kind of suck. We busted them all by yeah. <laughs> running, running those cars. We'll order you a couple new ones and we'll do it. But if we got to order them, we got to order a minimum of 10. That's what the place recommended. So I'm like, if we find another five, 10 schools... We'll sponsor the whole thing. So I made a sign up list and then we had over a hundred schools sign up. Amazing. And we ended up being able to raise through sponsors and all that, but we're going to have 50 high schools signed mm. up uh, that are going to receive these kits. And basically, yeah, it's just that. Yeah. I think there's not enough people going into the trades, not enough people realizing that we can make things here. So if we get these kits out to the high school, it gives them a fun, real hands-on knowledge. I want to show that like, hey, electrification isn't difficult. Electrification is relatively easy. Build a little electric car. We'll give them all the parts, wheels, axles, motors, batteries, all the parts that they need to build one of these mini EVs. They can design it, build it, and then they can compete in a series of challenges to see who built the best one. I love it. And not only has it spilled over out of BC, but it's in Ontario. There's some of the prairies. You've even got an American school and uh, and a whole bunch of other sponsors that have stepped in, I'm assuming, to kick into this whole notion as well, uh, including some trucking companies, which is pretty great. So, Yeah, it's I mean, cool. It's mainly trucking companies. I love the trucking industry. You have no idea how much I love. Man, does the trucking industry come together. And if you had told me that like three years ago before starting this, that the biggest sponsors for an EV vehicle challenge in BC would have been trucking companies. That would yeah, sound right. nuts. Yeah. Yeah. You think it would have been Patagonia or something like that. <laughs> um, 
Um, it's it's neat. It's neat to see, right? I think that I find this refreshing because we hear so much spin on electric cars as being like the oh the solution, and we have to do it, or we're going to save the world, or whatever the thing is. And then realizing, you know, I like to use the word responsibility. When we embrace embrace responsibility. Well, that changes our look a little bit, doesn't it? Because it also doesn't just limit ourselves at going like, oh, what we're receiving from these companies as consumers is the be-all, end-all, and solutions of things, which we know clearly are not. Not to mention power, torque, efficiency, everything that goes with it. And so, I mean, this this is refreshing to me. I, I like this. You must be excited. It must be um, hard to uh, not take on a thousand projects and stay focused and and get this done and still kind of do that whole that handshake if you will on the idea yeah no for sure thanks it's uh it is hard not to take on too many projects we've really had to limit ourselves we've uh we're just selling uh five trucks next year wow <laughs> we got one spot left open to sell we've sold the other four so it's mm. it's cool it's yeah. fun it's but man it is stressful. There is a lot. Luckily, we've got a really good team that I can, they handle a lot of these things as we've been growing and not all on my shoulders nearly as much now as it was a year ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's cool. You have any idea? Could you have for, like foreshadowed this in any way that you would be such a, you would learn to become such an expert on electricity and, and even building trucks when you're the first time you sat in a logging truck and, and went, okay, let's go down this hill and and here you are today. Could you imagine that 15 years ago that, you know, Carl was going to be your, your, um, penguin forever. Your sort of your soulmate that Carl was going to be that truck for you. I'll be honest. I couldn't imagine this two years ago when we started this company. Really? Hey, <laughs> it's one of those ones where like, I knew we were going to do it. I knew we were going to build a truck, but the amount of support we've had from the community, the amount of people reaching out, like it's it's been incredible and it's really moved us up another step because like i said what we were going to do when i started this this was a crazy idea from a couple truckers that had never built an ev thing ever before like we've done some hybrid power systems like we were we moved past trucking we did a little bit of power generation and installing generators small generators nothing super fancy but we've never built an ev and we were going to learn and we were going to figure it out. And I had an old 1960s truck and I said, follow me along for the journey. But with how many people reached out, I kept track. There's over 130 people at this point who have actually worked and contributed to this per- product. Mm-hmm. There's been people reaching out that said, hey, I'm an expert in VAT batteries. I'm an expert in electric motors. I'm an expert in truck suspension. Hey, I'm a frame rail expert. And just people with different fields willing to help out that this entire project really has been crowdsourced from the ground up where it's gone above and beyond where we really even imagined it, where we could go before starting out. The fact that within two years, we were actually able to build a proof of concept, build a prototype and have actual truck sales money deposited on a truck within two years is insane. And I can't believe where we've made it to. Yeah. Is the goal to be uh, able to do nothing but get in your own truck and maybe just, you know, drive some logs a couple days a week so you don't have to sit in the office chair anymore? Oh, 100%. I am absolutely certain that I'm going to be the test pilot on these ones. Right. Like, 
I miss trucking so much. I yeah. got into this because I love trucks. I love driving trucks. I love being around trucks. And all of a sudden you realize when you start a truck manufacturing company that you have to spend most of your time in the office. And I don't love being an office worker. Well, and what a great inspiration for what's your end goal here. The goal is for me to get back in a truck and love it. That's the only goal. That's the, and then hopefully everyone else will love it too. <laughs> That's cool. I love uh, it. I think it's probably the reason why we've been successful compared to a lot of other EVs is that my fundamental passion, our fundamental passion here is trucks, awesome trucks, sweet trucks. Like we've been restoring classic trucks from the 60s, 70s, 80s for the last eight years. We've been working these trucks like everything we do is about trucks. Of course, we're going to build a good truck. I think a lot of other companies have approached the EV side of trucking from the EV spot, they, they care really a lot about EVs. And then they're like, oh, well, what about this whole segment that isn't targeted? We can do all these emission reductions and electrify things, but they don't know trucks. They're not passionate about trucks and they kind of fall short when it comes time to actually delivering a truck that truckers want to use. So yeah. I think that's been our huge advantage in this whole project. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. They're more worried about cup holders, which is integral, just to be clear. I did forget cup holders. I'll be honest with you on that. I need to put cup holders into Topsy. We got into the show and someone asked, where's your cup holders? And you're like, oh, shit. I'm so focused on the truck build. I didn't even think of cup. So there's a few things to work out still. but Yeah, I love it. Oh, that's great. I'll put the link up at shiftheads.ca for everyone to take a look at the website, see the photos, and um, maybe inspire some more creation out of all of it. Chase, this is amazing. Thanks for sharing the time, brother. Yeah. Hey, thanks for having me on. And yeah, hopefully somebody else does do it and it's already happening. People reach out and they look at their agriculture, farming, tractors, heavy equipment, or they look at something else and they're just, Hey, if he can do it, if that logger can build a logging truck, I can build a tractor. Yeah. They're getting tired of stuff they're seeing from John Deere and the big companies and saying, well, all this planned obsolescent stuff, screw it. I'll build my own tractor. And there's companies now starting that because we started building trucks. And I think that is the coolest thing that's happened from this whole thing. Have you ever watched that special on Lamborghini when they did the tractors? Yeah. That's you. <laughs> like you could be the next Lamborghini, really. I mean, that was a, that's probably accurate. Hey, I think I, I got a little improvement you can make. And they're like, no, we don't care about you. And they're like, screw it. I'll build my own. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Um, also, I'm not sure Lamborghini remembered cup holders either. So you have that in common. No, so. fair. <laughs> <laughs> awesome hey well thanks for having me on here i really appreciate it this is the shift podcast are you are you are you okay 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 are you okay with some stories that might make you shake your head or uh, ponder a little bit could go either way 877-399-9898 to share your thoughts. Are you okay with pigs? Oink. Still lost my pigs. You lost your sound effects? You don't have it anymore? Yeah. Dang, really lost my that's pigs. too bad. Darn. Yeah. Well, okay pigs are cool. I like bacon. Bacon is absolutely delicious. Brisket. Mmm. Baby back ribs. Fantastic. Um... There's a trend of people keeping pigs as pets, and they're very smart animals, but they're also, like, very gross and large. And, yeah, not very clean. It's, it, um, I don't really get that. I think they're cool yeah. farm animals. 
understand yeah. the food, but not a pet. My aunt um, had a pig. His name was Mickey. And they, they were on an acreage, so not a farm, but you know what I'm saying. Yeah. And uh, then Mickey went uh, uh, went to the bacon factory. And uh, then they, uh, the family, the dad, my uncle, took Mickey's head and uh, put it in the deep freeze and propped it up really nicely for my aunt to find. <laughs> oh, to go... my. That's and... haunting. Isn't it? It's terrible. Jeez. Oh, he found it. Perfect timing, Shane. Great. Trauma to start Pigs are great because pig valves and pig hearts save people's lives. Yeah, that's a thing. Wild, eh? Mm-hmm. Uh, Canada has a pig problem, including evil pigs. The search is on for a wild pig spotted in a rural Manitoba community. A wanted poster of the animal in question has been making its rounds. It was issued by the Squeal on Pigs Manitoba program and is asking for the public's help in capturing the animal. It was seen traveling between Wawanisa and Alexander. The program defines the animal as an invasive species. Its aim is to deal with and eradicate wild pigs in the province. Wayne Lees, the program's coordinator, says wild pigs threaten the environment and health of other animals. This particular pig has been fairly elusive, and uh, because he's, he's a very large animal, uh, we're asking people especially to report any sightings of, of these large boars because they tend to travel long distances and tend to be by themselves. Um. Do you ever have a moment at your job when you're like, is this really happening right now? That's the moment I just had. Mm -hmm. uh, but more super pigs are on the way. <laughs> An exploding population of hard-to-eradicate super pigs in Canada is threatening to spill south of the border, and northern states like Minnesota, North Dakota, Montana are taking steps to stop the invasion. <gasps> they should build a wall. In Canada... The wild pigs are roaming Alberta, Saskatchewan, and Manitoba, and they pose a new threat. They're often crossbreeds. Oh, that sometimes the survival skills of the wild Eurasian boar with the size and high fertility of the domestic swine. <laughs> what is happening to create a super pig that is spreading out of control? Not to mention the free loving. Filthy pigs. Um, Ryan Brook, a professor at the University of Saskatchewan and one of Canada's leading authorities on the problem of pigs, calls feral swine the most invasive animal on the planet and an ecological train wreck. Uh, by the way, take this to your Christmas party for tidbits of things you did not know. Wild pigs already cause around $2.5 billion damage U.S. to crops every year mostly in southern states like Texas. They can be aggressive towards humans. A woman in Texas was killed by wild pigs in 2019. Jeez. Eradication of wild pigs is no longer possible in Manitoba and Saskatchewan, Brooks said, but the situation isn't hopeless everywhere, and a few U.S. states have eliminated them. The key, he said, is having a detection system that finds them early and fast and responding quickly. Ham. Ham. Well, oh. Uh, if they do end up building a wall to keep the pigs out, 
Just got to make sure that a wolf doesn't come and blow it down. Oh, here it is. Oh, dad nice. joke's coming at you. Oh, that was a good one. Nice. Here's another little tidbit about the uh, wild boar. Did you know that that's what Great Danes were bred for? To Small game and that? large boars. That's why their ears were cropped, if you look at online. And uh, they could uh, kill and return a wild boar while hunting and protect its people. And that's why they were bred so big with mastiffs and, and greyhounds to become these gigantic protector guard dogs. I have a Great Dane, and she gets afraid of bumblebees and butterflies. She's not really a boar killer. <laughs> but, yeah, I'm pretty sure the pug was also bred to be a hunter-retriever dog at first, and look at where we are really? with that now. So, Are yeah. we sure about that? Look at old pugs. They were like, they would be up to your hip. They were big dogs, and now really? they are a, a, an abomination, and they can barely breathe, and they don't even bark. They just scream. I feel bad for them. <laughs> you ever seen those husky screaming videos online? Yeah, <laughs> that's great. Those are those are that's an easy way to brighten your day. I have a uh, I have a buddy who has two of them, and he says it's legit. They really do just yell. Um, I love that. Are you okay with Subway? Um, I was okay with Subway for a really long time. You know, the sub mm-hmm. was decent. It was a good size. It was, you know, one of those things where you buy a, a foot long, you could have it for lunch and then have the rest of it for dinner or have it half of it for dinner and the rest in the morning. But lately, it's gotten to the point where it's the same price to buy a sub made by like a local sandwich shop. And the local sandwich shop is far superior to the Subway. And so unless it's utterly just so convenient to go to Subway... I'm probably going someone out somewhere else for my sandwich. Um, yeah, I'm just not going to Subway at all. I paid twenty one dollars <laughs> for a sub at an airport. Now it was an airport, but twenty one dollars yeah. for a very basic sub. I paid a grossly overpaid. Went to Joey and twenty nine dollars for a very yummy, mind you, black and chicken meal like a, a dinner so think about that 21 dollars. i mean that gets you a, a, a you know a pub meal for sure it should get you a salad with some protein on it stuff like that but no mm-hmm. that gets you a fast food sub in today's world and that's and that's the thing is i oof i mean it used to be able to get six bucks right six bucks for a six inch that was the big deal $5 for a long time long five dollar yeah. foot long i remember the first time i went to subway i'm like aren't these supposed to be five dollars Long past my time. <laughs> yeah. Um, but that's just it, right? $21. I thought going to A&W and spending $60 on three people for lunch was a lot. Yeah. Now, Subway is getting very, very pricey. I think the estimate that's written here of $13 for a sub is way too low. That's what I pay on average. Sorry. Just going really? around my order, which is a foot-long Italian BMT with the works. Wow. A Georgia woman faced an uphill battle against her bank and Subway after she accidentally paid way too much for a sub. The $7.54. But this time, Vera Connor paid $7,112.98 for that Subway Italian sub. I could have gone to Italy and gotten a sandwich for it. 
Instead of Italy, she went to this College Park subway. Connor only noticed the $7,000 bill later in the week when she checked her credit card statement. I was like, oh my God, how did this happen? Look at that number on the tip line, 7,105.44. Those are numbers from her phone number. I was like, oh my God, this is my phone number. I must have been keying it in the pad and the screen's fit changed. Hey there, it's Justin Gray with Channel 2. Is a manager here? I left a card for the manager at this Roosevelt Highway subway and also reached out to Subway Corporate and the credit card company Bank of America. Even Subway employees were shocked by that sandwich total. That's the receipt. Oh, damn. Connor thought would be a simple fix has been anything but. The store manager refused to discuss it with her, and her credit card company sent this letter denying her claim. This is unbelievable because I feel like everyone that sees it has to know that it's a mistake. I've worked in retail before. I know how we tally up at the end of the night. So. Connor says she's trying to keep smiling because she can't imagine how she can pay that $7,000 credit card bill. You tell me it's a good sandwich. It ain't that good. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's uh, Action News Jax, Jacksonville. Um, Bank of America later said the refund was denied because Connor still had to pay the $7.00. 54 cents for the sandwich and couldn't get the whole refund pack. So the claim had to be resubmitted only the tip under dispute at that point, which would have been anything over the $7.54. After a month-long struggle, she was finally issued a temporary credit for the charge on Monday, but I don't think it's actually been resolved as of the time that we've we've written this. I mean, as the business owner, why wouldn't you just give her the sandwich and say, please don't bring any more cameras to my work. It's $7. Have a nice day. Yeah, and I feel like this isn't the first time we've had an accidental several thousand dollar tip at a, you know, at a fast food restaurant and like it's not mm-hmm. if I was working at an A&W and somebody tipped me $1000, there's no way that is a legitimate tip. If I was working in Beverly Hills at some fancy schmancy John Ham works here or eats here kind of restaurant, then yeah, okay, maybe, but not at AW. So, you know, I feel like they're just eventually they know that money's going to go back to her. There's no way they're holding on to that. Although I do get caught because on one app on my banking, if I want to send Ryan $123, I just go one, two, three, send. Mm-hmm. And that's on Scotia. On the BMO, if I want to send Ryan $123, I have to go 12300. Otherwise, I'll send you $1.23. Oh, I didn't know it was different. So between the apps of the the zeros, yeah. No, so I mean, so you can get caught adding in too many zeros. And I've done that going back to the Scotia app, and I'd be like, oh, there's $12,000 for Ryan. Yay. Um, Ryan Ryan would give it back. He would not go straight to the Lego store. Mm -hmm. Right? Yes, right? correct. Ah. Mm-hmm. Are you okay with going to the to the bathroom? Um, yep. All right. Yep, that's what we're in. Uh, okay. We can't figure out why this story is here or why it even happened, but somebody must have really needed to go to the loo. In Evansville is in jail tonight after police say he pulled a gun on a man trying to use the bathroom. Evansville police say that the caller stated that her husband stopped at 1060 East Riverside at around 2.20 this afternoon. She said he tried to use a porta potty at Centertown Motors. Police say several people came out and surrounded her husband. They say they were told 
one man pulled a gun. After obtaining a search warrant, police say they found that gun in the business. 58-year-old David Wayne Townsell was arrested for intimidation. Well, I mean, you got to go. You got to go. Sometimes it's urgent. Mm-hmm. It they didn't say anything urgent? about he was walking like a penguin. Because that's what you do when you, you know. I... Okay, uh, that's from 14 News. Usually we add more info to this part, but we don't have any other info. That's just the story. That's the story. That's all the I guy find. needed to go to the bathroom so bad he pulled a gun. Yep. And sometimes that's that's the way. I mean, I've heard of people using IBS and stuff as a reason for their speeding. And they basically say to the cop, I mean, I'm going to poop all over my car if you don't let me go home. And then they hope that that gets them out of the ticket. I don't know if that's legit or not. So we have nothing to add. So instead of silence, here's a fun fact about porta potties. The first porta potty was created in the 1940s during the World War II by a company called the United States Gypsum. These portable restrooms were initially designed for ship workers, <laughs> gotta say the P, who didn't have easy access to toilet facilities. No need to transport waste far away from the work area was crucial for maintaining a hygienic environment, and that began the porta potty. It didn't, wasn't until like 2005 when they figured out how to make them smell better. Do you think that's why they call it the poop deck? I actually, I don't know that. <laughs> you have been I didn't even... all over the dad jokes today. <laughs> what is happening? God, I'm nailing it, man. Oh, yeah. It's the Good News Tuesday vibes. It brings out the inner dad vibe. Is that what it is? Yeah. A um, couple of text messages about sandwiches here. And I like this one because it's a good reminder. Uh, the first one says, Subway prices are stupid. I'll never go again. That's from Steve. And Sean and Rocky Ridge shared this one. And this is a good reminder because grocery stores have the deli counters now, most everywhere. Mm. And he says, hey, guys, I go to the deli at the grocery store. He goes to Safeway. Six bucks for a great sandwich, extra two bucks to add soup, 79 cents for store brand soda, lunch under 10 bucks. And that's yeah. true. And not to mention you can get a banana for like, you know, 17 cents and you go get it all done. And um, don't forget your grocers. They've got some good stuff going on there. So. That is definitely a solution. I agree, though. The fast food stuff is so expensive, wildly expensive. Um, although the McDonald's app does have some pretty good deals on it. When you use there the are deal. some good deals they sneak on there. Yep. Uh, you know what? I, totally unrelated, but it's coming to my mind. Um, I got the Shell app. And you know what you can do now for technology? It's amazing. You basically pull up to the pump. You hit the pay button. And then you enter in the pump number. You look up at the thing. And that's it. The pump just turns on. And it's done. And you just walk out, you pump it, you hang it up again, you drive away, and your receipt's in your email. It's slick. Get your air miles. For me, I use the AMA point discount. Yeah. It's fast. Cool stuff. Technology is cool at times. It's not always scary. Think about it in the wintertime as opposed to standing there in the car, and then the boop, 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 and the beep, beep, and the do you want a car wash? God, no, it's minus 30. Come on. Like, and then so on. (laughs) I should remove that. Yeah. Anyway, um, that's are you okay with? And um, next time you're at your Christmas party looking for something to talk about, porta potties. Save that for the sales guy. Thanks for listening to the Shift Podcast. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review the show and share with anyone you like. Get it on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and CuriousCast.ca. 